0: Chapter 16 of Tarzan and the Golden Lion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Josh Herring of Abingdon, Virginia. Tarzan and the Golden Lion by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Chapter 16, The Diamond Horde. As the primitive smoke bombs filled the throne room of the Tower of the Emperors with their suffocating fumes, the Gomangani clustered about Tarzan begging him to save them for they, too, had seen the massed Bolgani before every entrance, and a great body of them that awaited in the gardens and upon the terrace without. Wait a minute, said Tarzan, until the smoke is thick enough to hide our movements from the Bolgani, and then we may rush the windows overlooking the terrace, for they are nearer the east gate than any other exit, and thus some of us will have a better chance for escape. I have a better plan, said the old man. When the smoke conceals us, follow me. There is one exit that is unguarded. "'Probably because they do not dream that we would use it. "'When I passed over the dais behind the throne, "'I took occasion to note that there were no Bolgani guarding it.' "'Where does it lead?' asked Tarzan. "'Into the basement of the Tower of Diamonds, "'the tower in which I discovered you. "'That portion of the palace is nearest to the east gate, "'and if we reach it before they suspect our purpose, "'there will be little doubt that we can reach the forest at least.' "'Splendid,' ejaculated the ape-man. It will not be long now before the smoke hides us from the Bolgani. In fact, it was so thick by this time that the occupants of the throne room were finding difficulty in breathing. Many of them were coughing and choking, and the eyes of all were watering from the effects of the acrid smoke, and yet they were not entirely hidden from the observation of the watchers all about them. I don't know how much more of this we can stand, said Tarzan. I have about all I care for now. It is thickening up a bit, said the old man. Just a moment more, and I think we can make it unseen. I can stand it no longer, cried La. I am suffocating, and I am half-blinded. Very well, said the old man. I doubt if they can see us now. It is pretty thick. Come, follow me. And he led the way up the steps of the dais and through an aperture behind the thrones, a small opening hidden by hangings. The old man went first, and then La, followed by Tarzan and Bal Ja who had about reached the limit of his endurance and patience, so that it had been with difficulty that Tarzan had restrained him, and who now was voicing his anger in deep growls which might have apprised the Bolgani of their avenue of escape. Behind Tarzan and the lion crowded the coughing Golmangani, but because Bal Ja was just in front of them, they did not crowd as closely upon the party ahead of them as they probably would have done otherwise. The aperture opened into a dark corridor which led down a flight of rough steps to a lower level and then straight through utter darkness for the rather considerable distance which separated the tower of diamonds from the tower of the emperors so great was their relief at escaping the dense smoke of the throne room that none of the party minded the darkness of the corridor but followed patiently the lead of the old man who had explained that the first stairs down which they had passed were the only obstacles to be encountered in the tunnel at the corridor's end the old man halted before a heavy door "'which, after considerable difficulty, he managed to open. "'Wait a minute,' he said, "'until I find a cresset and make a light.' "'They heard him moving about beyond the doorway for a moment, "'and then a dim light flared, "'and presently the wick of a cresset flickered. "'In the dim rays, Tarzan saw before them "'a large rectangular chamber, "'the great size of which was only partially suggested "'in the wavering light of the cresset. "'Get them all in,' said the old man, "'and close the door.' "'And when that had been done, he called to Tarzan. "'Come!' He said, Before we leave this chamber, I want to show you such a sight as no other human eyes have ever rested upon. He led him to the far side of the chamber where, in the light of the cresset, Tarzan saw tier after tier of shelves upon which were stacked small sacks made of skins. The old man set the cresset upon one of the shelves and, taking a sack, opened it and spilled a portion of the contents into the palm of his hand. Diamonds, he said. Each of these packages weighs five pounds, and each contains diamonds. They have been accumulating them for countless ages, for they mine far more than they can use themselves. In their legends it is believed that some day the Atlanteans will return, and they can sell the diamonds to them. And so, they continue to mine them, and store them, as though there was a constant and ready market for them. "'Here, take one of the bags with you,' he said. He handed one to Tarzan, and another to La. "'I do not believe that we shall ever leave the valley alive, but we might.' and he took a third bag for himself. From the diamond vault, the old man led them up a primitive ladder to the floor above, and quickly to the main entrance of the tower. Only two heavy doors, bolted upon the inside, now lay between them and the terrace, a short distance beyond which the east gate swung open. The old man was about to open the doors when Tarzan stopped him. Wait a moment, he said, until the rest of the Gomangani come. It takes them some time to ascend the ladder." When they are all here behind us, swing the doors open, and you and Law, with this ten or a dozen Gomangani that are immediately around us, make a break for the gate. The rest of us will bring up the rear, and hold the Bolgani off in case they attack us. Get ready, he added a moment later. I think they're all up. Carefully Tarzan explained to the Gomangani the plan he had in mind, and then, turning to the old man, he commanded, Now! The bolt slipped, the doors swung open, and simultaneously the entire party started at a run toward the east gate. The Bolgani, who were still massed about the throne room, were not aware that their victims had eluded them until Tarzan, bringing up the rear with Bal Ja, was passed through the east gate. Then the Bolgani discovered him, and immediately set up a hue and cry that brought several hundred of them on a mad run in pursuit. Here they come, said Tarzan to the others. Make a run of it, straight down the valley toward Opar, La. And you? demanded the young woman. I shall remain a moment with the Gomangani and attempt to punish these fellows. La stopped in her tracks. I shall not go a step without you, Tarzan of the Apes, she said. Too great already are the risks you have taken for me. No, I shall not go without you, the ape-man shrugged. As you will, he said. Here they come. With great difficulty, he rallied a portion of the Gomangani who, once through the gate, seemed imbued but with a single purpose, and that, to put as much distance between the Palace of Diamonds and themselves as possible. Perhaps fifty warriors rallied to his call and with these he stood in the gateway toward which several hundred bolgani were now charging. The old man came and touched Tarzan on the arm. You had better fly, he said. The gomangani will break and run at the first assault. We will gain nothing by flying, said Tarzan, for we should only lose what we have gained with the gomangani, and then we should have the whole valley about us like hornets. He had scarcely finished speaking when one of the gomangani cried, Look! Look! They come! and pointed along the trail into the forest. And just in time, too, remarked Tarzan, as he saw the first of a swarm of Gomangani pouring out of the forest toward the east gate. Come, he cried to the advancing blacks. The Bolgani are upon us. Come, and avenge your wrongs. Then he turned, and calling to the blacks around him, leaped forward to meet the onrushing guerrilla men. Behind them, wave after wave of Gomangani rolled through the east gate of the Palace of Diamonds, carrying everything before them to break at last like surf upon the wavering wall of Bolgani, that was being relentlessly hurled back against the palace walls. The shouting and the fighting and the blood worked Bal Ja into such a frenzy of excitement that Tarzan, with difficulty, restrained him from springing upon friend and foe alike, with the result that it required so much of the ape-man's time to hold and leash his ferocious ally that he was able to take but little part in the battle. Yet he saw that it was going his way, and that, but for the occurrence of some untoward event, the complete defeat of the Bolgani was assured. Nor were his deductions erroneous, so frantic were the Gomangani with the bloodlust of revenge, and so enthused by the first-fruits of victory that they went fully as mad as Jadbal Jha himself. They neither gave nor asked quarter, and the fighting ended only when they could find no more Bolgani to slay the fighting over Tarzan with La and the old man returned to the throne room from which the fumes of the smoke bombs had now disappeared to them they summoned the head man of each village and when they had assembled before the dais, above which stood the three whites with the great black-maned lion jadbal Ja, Tarzan addressed them. "'Gomangani of the Valley of the Palace of Diamonds,' he said, "'you have this night won your freedom from the tyrannical masters that have oppressed you since far beyond the time the oldest of you may remember. For so many countless ages have you been oppressed that there has never developed among you a leader capable of ruling you wisely and justly. Therefore you must select a ruler from another race than your own.' You! You! cried voice after voice as the headmen clamored to make Tarzan of the Apes their king. No! cried the ape-man, holding up his hand for silence. But there is one here who has lived long among you, and who knows your habits, and your customs, your hopes, and your needs better than any other. If he will stay with you, and rule you, he will, I am sure, make you a good king. And Tarzan pointed to the old man. The old man looked at Tarzan in bewilderment. But I want to go away from here, he said. I want to get back to the world of civilization from which I have been buried all these years. You do not know what you are talking about, replied the ape-man. You have been gone very long. You will find no friends left back there from whence you came. You will find deceit, and hypocrisy, and greed, and avarice, and cruelty. You will find that no one will be interested in you, and that you will be interested in no one there. I, Tarzan of the Apes, have left my jungle and gone to the cities built by men. But always I have been disgusted and been glad to return to my jungle, to the noble beasts that are honest in their loves and in their hates, to the freedom and genuineness of nature. If you return, you will be disappointed, and you will realize that you have thrown away an opportunity of accomplishing a work well worth your while. These poor creatures need you. I cannot remain to guide them out of darkness, but you may. And you may so mold them that they will be an industrious, virtuous, and kindly people, not untrained, however, in the arts of warfare. For when we have that which is good, There will always be those who are envious, and who, if they are more powerful than we, will attempt to come and take what we have by force. Therefore, you must train your people to protect their country and their rights, and to protect them they must have the ability and the knowledge to fight successfully, and the weapons wherewith to wage their wars. You speak the truth, Tarzan of the Apes, replied the old man. There is nothing for me in that other world, so, if the Gomangani wish me to be their chief, I will remain here. The head men, when he questioned them, assured Tarzan that if they could not have him for chief, they would be very glad to have the old man, whom they all knew, whether by sight or reputation, as one who had never perpetrated any cruelties upon the Gomangani. The few surviving Bolgani who had taken refuge in various parts of the palace were sought out and brought to the throne room. Here they were given the option of remaining in the valley as slaves or leaving the country entirely. The Gomangani would have fallen upon them and slain them, but that their new king would not permit. "'Where shall we go if we leave the valley of the Palace of Diamonds?' asked one of the Bolgani. "'Beyond the city of Opar we know not what exists, and in Opar may we find only enemies.' Tarzan sat eyeing them quizzically and in silence. For a long time he did not speak, while several of the Gomangani headmen and others of the Bolgani made suggestions for the future of the Gorilla Men. Finally the ape man arose and nodded toward the Bolgani. "'There are about a hundred of you,' he said. You are powerful creatures, and should be ferocious fighters. Beside me sits La, the high priestess and queen of Opar. A wicked priest, usurping her power, has driven her from her throne. But tomorrow we march upon Opar with the bravest Gomangani of the valley of the Palace of Diamonds. And there we punish Kaj, the high priest who has proven a traitor to his queen. And La, once more, ascends the throne of Opar. But, where the seeds of treason have once been broadcast, the plant may spring up at any time, and where least expected. It will be long, therefore, before Law of Opar may have full confidence in the loyalty of her people, a fact which offers you an opportunity and a country. Accompany us, therefore, to Opar, and fight with us to replace Law upon her throne, and then, when the fighting is over, remain there as Law's bodyguard to protect her, not only from the enemies without, but from the enemies within. The Bolgani discussed the matter for several minutes, and then one of them came to Tarzan. We will do as you suggest, he said. And you will be loyal to La asked the ape man. A bolgani is never a traitor, replied the gorilla man. Good exclaimed Tarzan. And you, La, are you satisfied with this arrangement? I accept them in my service, replied she. Early the next morning, Tarzan and La set out with three thousand gomangani and a hundred bolgani to punish the traitorous Kaj. There was little or no attempt at strategy or deception. They simply marched down through the valley of the Palace of Diamonds, descended the rocky ravine into the Valley of Opar, and made straight for the rear of the Palace of Law. A little gray monkey, sitting among the vines and creepers upon the top of the temple walls, saw them coming. He cocked his head first upon one side, and then upon the other, and then became so interested and excited that for a moment he forgot to scratch his belly, an occupation he had been assiduously pursuing for some time. The closer the column approached, the more excited became Manu the monkey and when he realized vaguely the great numbers of the Gomangani, he was fairly beside himself. But the last straw that sent him scampering madly back to the palace of Opar was the sight of the Bolgani, the ogres of his little world. Kaj was in the courtyard of the inner temple, where at sunrise he had performed a sacrifice to the flaming god. With Kaj were a number of the lesser priests, and Oa and her priestesses. That there was dissension among them was evident by the scowling faces fully as much as by the words which Oa directed at Kaj. Once again you have gone too far, Kaj, she cried bitterly. Only may the High Priestess of the Flaming God perform the act of sacrifice. Yet again and again do you persist in defiling the Sacred Knife with your unworthy hand. Silence, woman," growled the High Priest. I am Kaj, King of Opar, High Priest of the Flaming God. You are what you are only because of the favor of Kaj. Try not my patience too far, or you shall indeed know the field of the Sacred Knife. There could be no mistaking the sinister menace in his words. Several of those about him could ill-conceal the shocked surprise they felt at his sacrilegious attitude toward their high priestess. However little they thought of Oa, the fact remained that she had been elevated to the highest place among them, and those that believed that La was dead, as Kaj had taken great pains to lead them all to believe, gave in full to Oa, the reverence which her high office entitled her to. "'Have a care, Kaj,' warned one of the older priests. "'There is a limit beyond which not even you may pass.' You dare threaten me? cried Kaj, the maniacal fury of fanaticism gleaming in his eyes. You dare threaten me? Kaj, the high priest of the flaming god? And as he spoke, he leaped toward the offending man, the sacrificial knife raised menacingly above his head. And just at that moment, a little gray monkey came chattering and screaming through an embrasure in the wall overlooking the court of the temple. The Bogani! The Bolgani, he shrieked. They come! They come! Kaj stopped and wheeled toward Manu the hand that held the knife dropping to his side. You saw them, Manu? he asked. You are speaking the truth? If this is another of your tricks, you will not live to play another joke upon Kaj. I speak the truth, chattered the little monkey. I saw them with my own eyes. How many of them are there? asked Kaj. And how near to Opar have they come? They are as many as the leaves upon the trees, replied Manu, and they are already close to the temple wall. The bolgani and the gomangani! They come as the grasses that grow in the ravines where it is cool and damp! Kaj turned and raised his face toward the sun, and throwing back his head gave voice to a long-drawn scream that ended in a piercing shriek. Three times he voiced the hideous cry, and then with a command to the others in the court to follow him, he started at a brisk trot toward the palace proper. As Kaj directed his steps toward the ancient avenue upon which the palace of Opar faced, There issued from every corridor and doorway groups of the knurled and hairy men of Opar, armed with their heavy bludgeons and their knives. Screaming and chattering in the trees above them were a score or more of little gray monkeys. Not here, they cried. Not here, and pointed toward the south side of the city. Like an undisciplined mob, the horde of priests and warriors re-entered the palace at Kodja's heels and retraced their steps toward the opposite side of the edifice. Here they scrambled to the summit of the lofty wall, which guards the palace, just as Tarzan's forces came to a halt outside. "'Rocks! Rocks!' screamed Kodj, and in answer to his commands, the women of the courtyard below commenced to gather the loose fragments of stone that had crumbled from the wall and from the palace, and to toss them up to the warriors above. "'Go away!' cried Kaj to the army outside his gates. "'Go away! I am Kaj, high priest of the flaming god, and this is his temple!' Defile not the temple of the flaming god, or you shall know his wrath. Tarzan stepped forward a little ahead of the others, and raised his hand for silence. Law, your high priestess and your queen, is here, he cried to the Oparians upon the wall. Kaj is a traitor and an impostor. Open your gates and receive your queen. Give up the traitors to justice, and no harm will befall you. But refuse law entry to her city, and we shall take by force and with bloodshed that which belongs to law rightfully. As he ceased speaking, Law stepped to his side, that all her people might see her, and immediately there were chattering cries for Law, and a voice or two raised against Kodj. Evidently realizing that it would not take much to turn the scale against him, Kodj shrieked to his men to attack, and simultaneously launched a stone at Tarzan. Only the wondrous agility that he possessed saved the ape-man, and the missile passed by, and striking a Gomangani over the heart, felled him. Instantly, a shower of missiles fell upon them, and then Tarzan called to his followers to charge. Roaring and growling, the Bolgani and the Gomangani leaped forward to the attack, Catlike, they ran up the rough wall in the face of the menacing bludgeons above. Tarzan, who had chosen Kaj as his objective, was among the first to reach the summit. A hairy crooked warrior struck at him with a bludgeon, and hanging to the summit of the wall with one hand, Tarzan caught the weapon in the other and wrested it from his assailant. At the same time, he saw Kaj turn and disappear into the courtyard beyond. Then Tarzan drew himself to the top, where he was immediately engaged by two other warriors of Opar. With the weapon he had wrested from their fellow, he knocked them to right and left, so great an advantage his great height and strength gave him over them. And then, remembering only that Kaj, who was the ringleader of the revolt against law, must not be permitted to escape, Tarzan leaped to the pavement below, just as the high priest disappeared through an archway at the opposite end of the courtyard. Some priests and priestesses sought to impede his progress. Seizing one of the former by the ankles, he swung the body in circles about him, clearing his own pathway as he ran for the opposite end of the courtyard. And there he halted and wheeled, and putting all the strength of his great muscles into the effort, he swung the body of the priest once more and hurled it back into the faces of his pursuers. Without waiting to note the effect of his act, he turned again and continued in pursuit of Kaj. The fellow kept always just ahead of him, because Kaj knew his way through the labyrinthian mazes of the palace and temple and courtyards better than Tarzan. That the trail was leading toward the inner courts of the temple, Tarzan was convinced. There, Kaj would find easy ingress to the pits beneath the palace, and a hiding place from which it would be difficult to dislodge him, so numerous and winding were the dark subterranean tunnels. And so, Tarzan put forth every effort to reach the sacrificial court in time to prevent Kaj from gaining the comparative safety of the underground passages. But as he finally leaped through the doorway into the court, a noose, cunningly laid, closed about one of his ankles, and he was hurled heavily to the ground. Almost instantly a number of the crooked little men of Opar leaped upon him, where he lay, half stunned by the fall, and before he had fully regained his faculties they had trussed him securely. Only about half conscious, he felt them raise him above the ground and carry him, and presently he was deposited upon a cold stone surface. Then it was that full consciousness returned to him. And he realized that he lay outstretched once more upon the sacrificial altar of the inner court of the temple of the flaming god. And above him stood Kaj, the high priest, his cruel face contorted in a grimace of hate and the anticipation of revenge long deferred. At last, gloated the creature of hate. This time, Tarzan of the apes, you shall know the fury not of the flaming god, but of Kaj, the man. Nor shall there be any wait, nor any interference. He swung the sacrificial knife high above his head. Beyond the point of the knife, Tarzan of the Apes saw the summit of the courtyard wall, and just surmounting it, the head and shoulders of a mighty, black-maned lion. "'Jadbal Ja! he cried. "'Kill! Kill!' Kaj hesitated, his knife poised on high. He saw the direction of the ape-man's eyes and followed them, and in that instant the golden lion leaped to the pavement, and with two mighty bounds he was upon the high priest of Opar. The knife clattered to the floor, and the great jaws closed upon the horrid face." The lesser priest who had seized Tarzan, and who had remained to witness his death at the hands of Kaj had fled screaming from the court the instant that the Golden Lion had leaped upon their master, and now Tarzan and jadbal Ja and the corpse of Kaj were the sole occupants of the sacrificial courtyard of the temple. Come, jadbal Ja commanded Tarzan. Let no one harm Tarzan of the apes. An hour later the victorious forces of Law were overrunning the ancient palace and temples of Opar. The priests and warriors who had not been killed had quickly surrendered and acknowledged Law as their queen and high priestess and now at Law's command the city was being searched for Tarzan and Kaj. It was thus that La herself, leading a search party, entered the sacrificial courtyard. The sight that met her eyes brought her to a sudden halt, for there, bound upon the altar, lay Tarzan of the Apes, and standing above him, his snarling face and gleaming eyes glaring directly at her, was Jadbal Ja, the golden lion. Tarzan! shrieked Law, taking a step toward the altar. Kaj has had his way at last. God of my fathers, have pity on me. Tarzan is dead. No, cried the ape-man. Far from dead. Come and release me. I am only bound. But had it not been for Jad-Bal-Jah, I had been dead beneath your sacrificial knife. Thank God, cried Law and started to approach the altar, but paused before the menacing attitude of the growling lion. Down, cried Tarzan. Let her approach. And jad bal Ja lay down beside his master and stretched his whiskered chin across the ape-man's breast. Law came then, and picking up the sacrificial knife, cut the bonds that held the lord of the jungle captive and then she saw beyond the altar the corpse of Kaj. "'Your worst enemy is dead,' said Tarzan, "'and for his death you may thank Jodbalja, Ja "'as I thank him for my life. "'You should rule now in peace and happiness "'and in friendship with the people of the valley of the Palace of Diamonds.' "'That night Tarzan and the Bolgani, "'and the headmen of the Gomangani, "'and the priests and priestesses of Opar, "'sat in the great banquet hall of the Palace of Opar, "'as the guests of La, the Queen and ate from the golden platters of the ancient Atlanteans, platters that had been fashioned on a continent that exists today only in the legends of antiquity. And the following morning, Tarzan and Jadbal Jah set forth upon their return journey to the land of the Waziri and home. End of chapter.